Hey, what's going on everybody? This is Phil Bogart with Stock Investing Secrets. Today I purchased OMP, Oasis Midstream Partners. Find out what I take a look at when looking at small caps on this episode of Stock Investing Secrets. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's Phil Bogart here with Stock Investing Secrets. And we're here with another episode. Uh, and today we're looking at small caps. Yesterday we looked at large caps and that was a much more simplified thing that you would have to do. But uh, looking at large cap or small caps has a few more steps to it. In fact, it has about 13 things you should be taking a look at to make sure that it's the right stock for you. And today I bought Oasis Midstream Partners, which is uh, an oil and gas company, but it also has ventures in different areas as well. And while I, I'm not really keen on buying oil and gas because I don't see oil as being the way of the future, uh, I think that it's still got another 10 years to go before oil companies start to really uh, really suffer and disappear. So I still feel confident about buying oil companies. And this one, uh, with its all the calculations and the attributes that it has after all my research, turned out to be the best stock that I could find uh, for small caps. So here's here's what I did. And I just want to give everybody an overview of what to do uh, when you're buying small caps. And there's about 13 steps, uh, maybe 14 or 50, but 13 major things that you need to look for when choosing a small cap stock. And uh, I'm going to go over each of those in their own episode. But today I'm just going to go over an overview of how it was that I decided to uh, purchase this particular stock. Uh, so the first thing I do is I filter out whenever I'm looking for a small cap stock. Uh, I filter out from about uh, there's 15,837 uh, stocks on the Canadian and U.S. stock exchanges. Now, I want to I want to filter that down so that I can just find the market capitalization, which is basically the value of the stocks that I, that I want to look at. So for small caps, I don't want to take a look at Google or Amazon or Netflix or Bank of America or any of those other companies. So uh, I want to do my due diligence and take a look at every single stock that falls in my category. So when I do this, first thing I do is I, uh, I filter out all those that don't apply as small cap stock. And so when I choose a market, uh, I go into my filter, I go into RBC Direct Invest and I go into my filter. When I choose a market, I choose either Canadian or US markets. And then I go by sector to sector. So uh, there's, there's uh, quite a few sectors uh, in, involved in this. And actually I would even, even take a, uh, a different approach, which would be industry, which breaks it down even further. So uh, there's around like maybe 70 industries that are encompassed, like it breaks, breaks down to chemical manufacturing, chemicals, plastic rubber, containers, packaging, uh, gold, silver, footwear, uh, like the, the broader categories are consumer non-cyclical, uh, uh, and there's energy, and there's consumer cyclical, conglomerates, capital goods, basic materials, uh, and then it breaks down from there, like technology, transportation, utilities. So all these different uh, sectors have their own industries that are that are laid out and I go through every industry so I'll start from the very tippy top and I'll go with chemical manufacturing and that narrows it down automatically to 192 but that's not factoring the market capitalization so when you go from small cap um, the, the area that I take a look at uh, there it actually narrows it down to 36 and then I take a look at all 36 of those uh, and then I decide which ones to keep an eye on I put that on a list uh, the first thing I do is I check for the revenue and whether or not they have at least 25% uh, gains uh, uh, year to year. And I make sure that these companies are also following certain other standards like are in the right market capitalization, which is pretty much taken care of by the filter and several other approaches. But I'll demonstrate why I, why I selected OMP, which is Oasis Midstream Partners. And taking a look at this stock, first thing is it's uh, 
you want to make sure the first step that I do is I make sure that the annual sales are 250 million or less. And I see that with this particular company, when I go into the financials, their annual is, well, for the last year, it's about 180 million. And so that automatically qualifies this one. It means that it has a lot of potential for growth. So this is one of those stocks that haven't really been discovered by mainstream, like uh, mutual funds and all those. Once the mutual funds and the big brokerages start gaining uh, some more insight into these stocks, they get more noticeable, they'll buy them up and they'll, they'll pop their price up. But if you're buying like mid cap or large caps, they've already got all the attention in the world on them. So there's not going to be a huge bounce in the price because everybody's already taking a look at these stocks. Now, the second thing I look at is the daily dollar volume. And for that, what you need to do is you just need to calculate how, how much is the stock worth. So in this case, OMP is at $20.30. And then its average volume is around 154000 So I, I multiply 154000 by 20.3. Uh, and um, so that would give me something that's less than uh, 3 million. So it's just like 2.2 million or something like that. So that tells me that there's not a lot of traction on the stock right now. And there's a lot of potential for it to grow. Now, the third thing I take a look at is I make sure this price between $6 and $25. If a stock is priced at, let's say $10 or anywhere in that range, there's a lot greater chance likelihood that it's going to double rather than if you're buying a stock like Google, which is around like, uh, I think it closed around $1,030 today. So for that stock to double, there's going to be half, there's going to be a ton of uh, like a major shift in that stock, and it's not likely going to happen. But there's a greater chance of a lower priced stock doubling than a higher priced stock. Of course, we don't want to go too low because then it's going to be a stock that's so small that it has a very good chance of going bankrupt. You want something more established, but not too established. Um, now the next thing, the fourth thing I take a look at is the profit margin. I want to make sure that the company has at least 10% profit margin because if it has lower than that, it could hit a year where, you know, it, it's a bad economy or something happens with the company and they're not able to turn as much of a profit. And then it would actually go into the red for that year. So with this company, OMP, I found that um, the operating income actually last year was 102 million and its revenue was 182 million. Uh, so that's, around 70% profit margin, which is pretty crazy. That's really impressive. As expenses were only uh, under 80 million. So this is a company that's super, um, it, it's got its margins really figured out, uh, which allows it to do other things like invest in the future. because it would have a large cash flow, which is something else we take a look at. Now the relative strength, uh, we also want to want to pay attention to and it depends on which online brokerage account you're using, but you can find uh, that information online. And some of them don't have it, um, so you have to you have to check that out based on the brokerage account that you're using. Um, now, the relative strength is how well the company is doing in comparison to its competitors. So those companies that are in the same industry. Uh, it, you would take a look at how it is, how it has performed over the past 12 months compared to those other companies in that business. And so if you, if you have a relative strength of 90 or higher, what that basically means is that this, comp this stock has performed in the upper um, 
10% of all uh, companies in that, um, in that same business. So on my RBC direct investing account, it doesn't look like they have the relative strength. And so when I come into a problem like that, if there's some information that my online brokerage account doesn't have, what I normally do is I go to Yahoo Finance and they generally have some of the information that um, RBC Direct Investing doesn't have and vice versa. So I generally, when I'm looking at stocks, I do a hybrid approach. So I use both of them uh, when I'm investigating which stocks to buy. So you would just go to the Yahoo Finance and you would, uh, you would take a look at the stats that they have and I believe it's in, no, the analysis would be future, um, but it is located somewhere uh, in Yahoo Finance or RBC Direct Investing. I don't exactly know where, um, but sometimes, occasionally, it's not in either of those. So you can just Google OMP or whatever stock you're looking at and go OMP relative strength and that will generally come up with like a Motley Fool thing or something else. So uh, yeah, here, here's a Motley Fool guru analysis of OMP. And on here, it has the relative strength and that gives you kind of some of the parameters and many of the parameters I use are actually quite similar to Motley Fool because I found that that uh, Motley Fool has done really well. So in this case, uh, Motley Fool actually says that the relative strength for OMP has failed. Uh, yeah, see, they agree the company outperforms 90% of the market in the past year. Uh, OMP is doing pretty good at 78. Um, you know, like I said, I keep track of every little component of each of these stocks and then I give them a rating uh, of how many things they've accomplished out of the 13 things. And for this company, it failed with relative strength, but it's not doing too bad. And that one, relative strength, is kind of uh, a tricky one as well because you want to find stocks that are undervalued. And if you're looking for stocks that are undervalued, it's hard to have a stock that has a high relative strength because generally that means that it's done really well on the stock market in the past year, which means that um, it might not be undervalued. It might be fairly valued if everybody's picked up on it. So it's kind of contradictory there. That's why you take a look at everything and, and nothing ever meets all parameters. I've never actually experienced that. I'm sure it happens someday, but I've never found a stock that meets all the parameters I'm taking a look at. So that was number five, um, and we're going to go into more detail about all of these in each of the successive ep episodes. Um, so number six is insider holdings of at least 15%. Um, so I know RBC doesn't have that. And um, it, it was available on the older version of Yahoo Finance, and I believe that it's still on the new one. Yeah, so here we have insider holdings. And this company actually has 38% of insiders holding shares. What that tells you is that the people who are on the inside who know all the information about the company more than what you and I know, more than the analysts know, uh, they have a lot of faith in this company. 38% of them, or 38% of the shares of uh, OMP are owned by insiders. And so if you're, an, if you're for example, you're a CEO of OMP, if you think the company's not going to do well, you're not going to have any shares on the other hand, if you think the company's going to do really well, you're going to pick up a lot of shares. So it even on Yahoo Finance breaks down, uh, uh, breaks down who who's going to who's owning those shares, and then it, it can go into more detail that we'll cover later about uh, where 
uh, like when were the shares purchased, when were they sold? I mean, if you see somebody selling shares, you'll see it on the news. If you're, if you're following uh, stock investing secrets or if you're following other news media for the, for the stock market, you'll notice they'll say so-and-so sold like a bunch of shares of that company and then everybody will panic and they'll sell off. Well, maybe he just needed to buy another house or something. It doesn't necessarily mean that the company is not doing well. <clears throat> so for the next portion, uh, I, took, I take a look at the cash flow from operations and I want to make sure the cash flow, that there is actually a cash flow. So this would be located in financials. And you want to you want to make sure that um, you want to make sure that they have a positive cash flow. If they don't have a cash flow, then it means that they're not um, they might not be in as healthy of a financial position as you might like, and it might be harder for them to take on debt or borrow from banks if they're trying to expand and do new things. Um, you just generally, it's a healthy indicator for a company to have positive cash flow. Uh, so uh, now you want to also have consistent margins and this is located on the income statement and it's under, um, you want to take a look at the operating income. So like we said before, like total revenue is 182 million operating income last year was 102. So that, if you if you were to have 10% profit margin, you'd only need 18 million of operating income, and it, and OMP has 102 million, which just blows it out of the ballpark. I mean, that's a grand slam right there. Uh, and you also want to take a look at research and development. Now, there's a lot of companies that won't be doing research and development just because of the industry that they're in. Now, OMP, uh, it's oil and gas, so it's likely not doing a lot of research and development just because it's focused on uh, finding like where you can get a lot of oil and then exposing that oil and then shipping that off. It's just, it's not looking at new ways to get oil uh, most likely. So research and development, actually that'll be based in financials and on the uh, balance sheet, I believe it is. Okay. Maybe it's on the cash flow statement. They might call it R&D or they might not even have it on there at all um, just because they don't have a line item for it. So instead of putting something there, they just don't put anything at all. Uh, and that's not a big concern because this kind of company, you don't really expect them to be investing in research and development. If it's a technology stock, like if Apple wasn't investing in research and development, that would throw up some red flags because you want Apple to always be innovating. And if they're not investing in research and development, you can bet there's going to be a competitor out there who is that's going to overtake Apple. But in the case of OMP, it's not an important component. Uh, now, you also want to make sure that they're paying their taxes. Now, this is going to be on the income statement. And, and you see here, they're paying their taxes. So if a company is not paying their taxes, it tells you they're trying to save everywhere they can. And they're forwarding that payment to the next year. Or it means that they didn't make profit at all. So uh, if you see that there's a profit, but there's nothing allocated for taxes, they're going to be getting a big tax hit in the future. And that's what you want to avoid. You don't want to be invested when they're going to have to pay like five times of what they normally would in taxes. That's going to decrease profit actually could take away their complete profit. So uh, that's a check mark for OMP. Uh, now you also want to make sure that there's inside. We have went over insider holdings. Uh, you want to 
you want to look at accounts receivables, like approximating the the growth in in profits. So that is located in the balance sheet. Now, accounts receivables it goes from 10 million in 2015 to 12 million in 2006 to 86 million in 2017. Now, if you go back, like that's the increase of like 20% the first year, and then the second year it is um, it's like 500%. No, it's more like 700% increase. So, how does that relate to the profits here? Well, it's pretty consistent with the revenue from 2015 to 2016. Now, 2016 to 2017, they blew it out of the water with that. So they, that means that in 2018, they likely will have a lot more revenue. If they have that much in accounts receivables, that means they're gonna be getting that money sometime. It's probably gonna be within the next 12 months. So you can start to see that next year, you can see the prediction next year is gonna be a lot higher. Now you can take a look at the chart and you say, well, does that generally, is the price kind of gone up in reflection of that? Yeah, it has, it has. But we'll do a full racial calculation later, which determines whether or not the stock is priced properly. And that will take into account the PE ratio and earnings per share. Uh, and it's a calculation where you take the earnings per share, which is the EPS, the trailing 12 months, and you you divide the future, the, uh, the future earnings per share, the estimates by the analysts, by that number, and you get the average annual growth rate. And the average annual growth rate should actually over earnings ratio. So if, for example, I'll, I'll bring it up right here, actually. And I, I have my full list here. So if you screenshot that, that's, that's the result of about five uh, days worth of research. All the tickers are down here. And this is something that we'll be definitely I'll be charging for sometime later. Right now, everything is free. So this is my list. That represents about 45 hours of research. And I do that once per year. Um, and that's all free. Take a snapshot if you want. And you, you, can, um, you, you can judge for yourself. Now, all the ones in red are the ones that didn't pass the uh, full ratio analysis. The ones in yellow are the ones who are kind of borderline. They're probably going to go up. But the ones in green are the ones that I'm going to be buying. I've already bought OMP, and they're going to be going up in the next. Uh, it's expected that it's going to be at least 100% increase within the next like 18 to 24 months. Now, um, the full ratio, which we'll be going into a lot more detail later, is 0.19 for OMP. And its current price when I bought it was $19.89. I expect it to go up to over $100, which would be a 426% increase. And I expect that to be within the next couple of years. That's a reflection of the, um, the analyst expectations, but primarily those expectations are largely driven by the accounts receivables. So when you take a look at these numbers, you get to see patterns and where you can combine uh, what's happening with, for example, the price of the stock and with the, um, the the analyst estimates. And then you can see, oh, well, wait a minute. They have so much in accounts receivables coming in. So that means next year they're probably going to be doing, they're going to blow it out of the water again. Um, and then you see something like this, like a fall from its highs and just around $20. Um, that's a big buying opportunity. So now is a really especially good time. I'd even have bought it at uh, $50 per share, so it would still be set to double. Uh, uh, the final thing that I take a look at is, as far as the 13 steps, the broad overview, like the macro steps, is 
I look to avoid debt. You don't want to have a company that has got a lot of debt on its hands. If it's acquiring debt, it means that it doesn't likely have very good cash flow. So I can see here with OMP, uh, it's going to, of course, have debt, but it's going to, I mean, in most cases, but you want to make sure that its cash flow um, is more than that. And it's not taking a lot of charges for interest and whatnot. Um, so that's a general overview. And if you're interested in stocks, that was probably very interesting for you. If you're not, if you're more interested in the other stuff that I put out, like how to save and how to properly budget, then that is some, this is where the learning curve come, comes in. And there'll be a full, full course that breaks it down step-by-step step, showing you what to do. And then of course I'll be available for coaching at some other time. I'll have a newsletter coming out that shows a lot more about this information, but that's a general overview. And if you, if you absorbed every 100% of that, uh, you could go tomorrow and you could start buying small caps and you'd be doing very well with yourself. Um, there's a few other steps because it doesn't just break down. Like if it has all those components, like, like my sheet said, I had like 36 out of the 15,000 stocks that I filtered through and that I took a look at. Um, 36 of those, just 36 out of 15,000 qualified to make my list for me to do a further analysis on. Them. So after the broad overview, which I just showed you, only 36 qualified, and then I did the full ratio analysis to figure out where should that stock be priced at? Where is it in relation to other stocks in the stock market? And um, where is it in relation to people's perception about it? So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And this was another episode of Stock Investing Secrets. Uh, we'll be back within the next couple of days and I'll break it down step by step. So the next episode, we'll be going over what um, sales volume you want to take a look at when you're purchasing a stock. And also this will all be turned into a course eventually and, and you'll be able to see it and break it down and replay it as much as you want. Uh, so thanks so much and we'll see you again.